Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am happy to be with you this week to discuss a timely topic. Well, timely for us because we are in the middle of that, and that topic is due diligence. What is it? Why do we do it? And why should you be doing it? Even if you're a passive investor who owns no real estate directly that you actively operate. There are three reasons that we think make a lot of sense. And we're going to talk about that today. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to shoot me an email. Pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And don't forget to swing by the Learning Center at marapolling.com, where we have a new batch of webinars for the balance of 2022 that are available for you to register, as well as recordings of all prior webinars on the Multifamily Real Estate channel. All of that at marapolling.com. All right, due diligence. What exactly is it? And why do we do it? So. Due diligence is the process in the purchase of an asset that begins right at contract execution of gathering and reviewing data, inspections, and other bits of information that can help the buyer make a decision about the fitness of that asset and whether or not they wish to proceed. For some, you might be thinking, well, that sounds kind of odd. You've already signed a contract. Doesn't that mean you're going to purchase it? Well, yes, it does, but there are items that you wanna make sure are accurate before you proceed. And there may be items that are hidden that not even the seller knows about that you might wanna look at prior to making that decision. And so that's the agreement reached inside one of these purchase agreements is you give me some money and sign this contract and I'll let you come take a deep dive into the asset for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, some amount of time. And then if there's issues, we'll deal with them or you can walk. And that's what happens in due diligence. Now, I mentioned in the intro that due diligence is a valuable activity, even for those of you that do not own real estate directly. So let me talk about that a little bit. Obviously, because I just described due diligence as part of the process of acquiring an asset, management firms like Mara Poling perform due diligence on assets we acquire. Those of you that own your own assets directly or are considering owning your own assets directly, where you'll go out and purchase a piece of property, whether it's a single family rental or a fourplex or a hundred unit property, if you find yourself in a position to be able to do that, you'll be performing due diligence. But what about those of you that are passive investors that invest with Mara Poling or a firm like Mara Poling? What does due diligence have to do with you? Well, two ways. First, the investment firm you're working with, the sponsor, syndicator, whatever word you want to use for them, the asset manager, as we often refer to ourselves, 
should be conducting due diligence. And so that might be a process you'd like to learn more about from them. How do they conduct due diligence? Is that information available possibly to be able to look at? If I have a question about an asset that's being acquired or that has been acquired, who do I talk to about that? But the other reason it's important is just as I conduct due diligence on an asset I'm about to purchase, you should be conducting due diligence on an investment that you would be making, a passive investment, and doing so for the same three reasons that we're going to talk about. So due diligence is applicable to everybody that's on today's session, whether you're investing with a sponsor passively, building your own portfolio, or whether you are someone like Mara Poling, who has uh, syndications that you manage. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get down to these three items. And they're not necessarily in any particular order, although we'll come back to that later. The first reason I would suggest that due diligence makes sense is to verify the information that has been provided to date including any information that we may have gathered on our own outside of interactions with the seller so that we can be confident in our decisions going forward. This is the old trust, but verify. I can't think of any instance that comes to mind. I'm sure in all the decades of work we've done and tens of thousands of transactions, there's an instance where it's occurred, I can't think of any off the top of my head where we've had a seller lie to us, give us a rent roll that was fake. We've had people give us rent rolls that were not accurate, but that's different than giving me a rent roll that's fake. Typically, when we're looking to purchase an asset, and again, if you're looking to purchase an asset, you'd be looking for something similar, you're going to ask for some documentation. We ask for something called a trailing 12, so basically the last 12 years of, uh, pardon me, 12 months of financials. We ask for a current rent roll. And as we go further, we may ask for other information. Some of that will be given before we go under contract. Some of it we may have to wait on, but we'll be continually asking for information that helps us make a decision. We'll also be prospecting for information from other sources, whether it's other data sources that are out there, uh, rent databases and the like, uh, county sources, around things like property taxes, for example, or others, all of that so that we can make an informed decision as part of making an offer on the property and then moving the contract. Our assumption is, is that all of the data we are given is in fact accurate, that nobody's committing fraud and that the data is good. And we need to verify that. Whether we're making a multi-million dollar investment, as is typically the case, or whether it's someone that's listening to today's podcast and is considering making a $25,000 investment in a syndication. All of those are significant dollars. And whatever information is provided in advance, there's some process to go through and say, how do I know this information is in fact accurate? And as I said, it's not just about making sure I'm not defrauded. It's more about making sure that the information I was given is in fact accurate. 
I'll give you an example, the rent roll. When we're given a rent roll, it's a long spreadsheet that lists every unit in the property, the current tenants, or if it's vacant, vacant, the rent for the unit, other kinds of charges, deposits, if there's a, a balance or a delinquency, all of that kind of data is on the rent roll. Once we are under contract, we will perform a due diligence on the lease. We'll go through all the lease files and we'll look to make sure that what's on the rent roll matches all the lease files. I don't know that we've ever had an instance where they match 100%. And that's probably even true for the due diligence that's been performed on our assets. We have human beings involved. There's a lot of data points on each lease that go into the systems. The ability to have an error now and then is not, not irregular. So you go through and perform a due diligence to identify how accurate is this data. If you were to find that the data is wholly not accurate, that there are significantly more vacant units, that the rents are radically different, that the tenants that the rent rolls say are on lease are not actually on lease, that leases have not been signed, they've been drafted, but they're not executed, or there's not copies in the file that are executed. Those could cause some issues, not just with us as buyers, but with a lender, because a lender is going to be looking at those same kinds of items. Those could be significant issues. Generally, that's not what's found. What's found is some number of tenants didn't sign their leases, or at least the signed lease isn't in the file. On occasion, the dates are off or some other minor kind of item. But generally speaking, rent rolls in today's day and age with the systems that are used tend to be pretty accurate. But there's also information provided about prior inspections, any prior capital work that's been done and so on. And those are items that can be a little more difficult to verify, but we still want to verify them. We're also going through and doing some analysis on our own, not so much about data we've been given, but about assumptions we've made. So we, for example, may have made an assumption about the condition of current uh, existing physical plant, like HVAC units or water heaters or boilers, or uh, whatever it might happen to be, covered parking uh, structures, all those types of things. And we may have someone come out and perform an inspection on those items to confirm if our assumptions were in fact correct. And whether our assumptions are correct or not correct, if we've identified an issue to tell us what it might take to address that issue financially, how long it would take, and so on. So there's a lot that goes into performing a due diligence. As you can see, a great deal of this is about simply making sure the material that we used in making the initial decision, which got us under contract, makes sense. If you are building your own portfolio, whether it's one single family rental or many, you go through a similar process. Now, pardon me, <clears throat> if you're purchasing a single family rental, you probably aren't gonna be given a rent roll because it's just one unit effectively. And the property may not be a rental today. You probably aren't being given a trailing 12, but you might ask for other data, uh, pertinent information about permits, 
about any inspections that have been done recently, about the age of equipment, roofs, HVAC, those sorts of things. And during your due diligence, you would have the right to inspect all of that, as well as have an inspector go and look at the property to see if there's any issues. If you are making an investment as a passive investor in a syndication, you don't have that kind of interaction, but you have something very similar. And that is you are provided with documentation, some that we've talked about before, offering memorandums, private placement memorandums, operating agreements, subscription agreements, a number of documents that outline how the investment will work. And to the extent that you have questions, that's your time to ask them. That's your due diligence period to ask those questions. If you've made assumptions about making the investment, that it was going to be for a certain period of time, or it was structured in a certain way in terms of maybe the waterfall of returns, and the data, the documents don't prove that to be true, then you want to explore that. And it's possible that you might get to a place where you'd say, I'm not going to proceed. And that's true for us as we perform our due diligence. So the first item we talked about is verifying the information that's been provided, kind of the trust but verify methodology. The second item that I would address is a due diligence is a great time to discover opportunities for how the property could be operated more successfully. It's very easy to sit and do a desktop analysis or drive by a property and look at all the data and come up with lots of great strategies. And we do all of that. There's nothing like standing at the property, walking the property, looking at units, getting a sense of how the property is actually being managed that can then help you make decisions about what to do in terms of managing that asset going forward. I'll give you an example. There was a property that we looked at at one point in time. And when we performed the due diligence on it, we identified that the average income of each of the tenants was more than three times the average rent, which is great because that's a standard we aspire to. We like the three times rent standard. So what that means is if someone is renting a unit for $1,000 a month, we'd like to see that household, so it could be an individual or a couple or roommates or something like that, that there is $3,000 a month of gross income. That way, that household is only spending 33% of their gross on rent. You'd certainly love to see it higher than that, three and a half, maybe four. But three is a great place to draw the line. Anything below that, and we're really asking tenants to pay upwards of maybe 50% of what their gross pay is on rent. And that just increases the likelihood that there's going to be an issue for that tenant. And we don't want to see tenants have to go through that. When we did the due diligence on this particular asset, as I said, we found this three to one ratio, actually better than three to one. 
What we saw when we dug into the data a little more that we were able to gather through due diligence, so this wasn't in the rent roll, you had to do due diligence to see this, was that improved units. So classic units are in their standard, more or less original configuration. Improved units are going to have higher end amenities, appliance packages, higher end flooring, lighting packages, and so on. What we discovered was that while the classic units did have tenants that were at this three to one ratio or better, the improved units, which by the way, do get a premium rent, the improved units had tenants that were actually closer to five to one or even six to one, meaning that the improved units were attracting tenants with higher incomes, not just higher overall, but higher relative to even the higher rent that the improved units were paying. That's a very positive sign in terms of these units being very solidly supported by the market. That was a very good bit of data to have, and it helped us not just confirm that we wanted to move forward, but it helped us come to a number of different strategies about how we would manage that asset. So you can learn more about the opportunities that this investment might present by performing due diligence. If you didn't perform due diligence, and again, I can't imagine a scenario where I would buy an asset, and I'm sure probably for most, if not all of you, where you'd buy an asset and not engage in some level of due diligence. But if you didn't do that, you might be oblivious to some of the opportunities that exist at that property because you're not taking a look at it. Likewise, if you are making a passive investment and you simply say, send me the paperwork and I'll sign, and you don't read the PPM, the private placement memorandum, you may be missing out on opportunities that the PPM describes about ways to improve the performance of your investment. For example, investors in our total return fund have the ability to reinvest their distributions on a quarterly basis. That gives them a compounding effect, with, uh, which over time increases their return 200 basis points, 250 basis points, something in that range. You wouldn't know that if you didn't talk to me or if you didn't read the PPM. If you simply said, sign me up, here's my check, where do I sign? So again, everyone we would encourage to perform due diligence on any of these investments. Okay, so that's two reasons. One, to verify the information that we've already been given. And two is to look at the overall investment and see what other opportunities there are. There is a third reason. And if we were going to be doing this sequentially or from a priority standpoint, this would be number one. The number one reason to perform due diligence is to identify the reason to not do the deal. That's right. The number one reason we perform due diligence is to go and discover the thing that's wrong with the deal and walk. We are not looking while we're out at the property for all the great things that can happen. Yes, you see them, and as I just said, they'll, they'll come to mind as you're standing there. What we are seeking and what our team that is performing due diligence is instructed to do is to look to find the reason to walk. 
we are not convinced. We are skeptics. Yes, we signed a contract. Yes, we've made some investments in terms of time and energy and dollars to get to this point. And we are happy to walk away when we find that reason not to do the deal. And that must be, in our estimation, the mindset that you have when you undertake a due diligence of a real estate investment. And the reason for that is this, it is extraordinarily easy to fall in love with a deal, to become so enamored and excited about the opportunities that it presents that the little things, and maybe not so little, that might cause you to reconsider or legitimately would cause you to walk away, get downplayed, ignored, minimized. And that leads to making a bad investment. And the last thing in the world anybody wants for their portfolio is to make a bad investment. And I'm not necessarily talking about an investment where you lose all of your money. That obviously is a bad investment. But I'm just talking about an investment where an asset is significantly more difficult to manage than the norm. All of that extra energy that has to be put into keeping an asset just above water is energy that doesn't get put into other investments. And in our experience, you never really get that asset to where it needs to be if you bought it the wrong way in the very beginning. So when we perform due diligence, the goal is let's find a reason to say no and walk away. It's amazing how that mindset changes the kinds of questions you ask during the day. The way in which you look at the rent roll, the physical condition of the asset, the inspection reports that come back from the various subject matter experts on HVAC and plumbing and roofing and so on that come out to the property to participate in the due diligence. And if you get through the due diligence process, which for us takes anywhere generally from three to four weeks, and you simply have not been able to find the reason to walk, then and only then do we say, all right, I guess we're going to buy this. And we move forward. Continuing to be skeptical so that we keep that skeptic's eye focused and learn all that we can but we don't want to get to that position of, oh, yeah, we're going to do this deal and move forward before we've gone through that full due diligence period. If you are building your own portfolio, I would absolutely encourage you to do likewise. When you find a piece of property to protect yourself from becoming excited, over enamored, in love with that deal, Tell yourself from the very get-go, well, there's something wrong with this thing. There's a reason I'm not going to buy it. Let me go find that. And again, you'll perform some due diligence. You might even get under contract. And you'll go look and look and look. And maybe you'll find something. You might find a foundation issue that is significantly expensive and that the seller is not going to agree to help you with. It's gonna, They're going to say, well, that's just your problem if you want the deal. You've got to deal with that foundation issue. 
that might be your reason to say, nope, I'm not doing it. Didn't have that in my plan. I'm turning around and I'm walking. And you might have lost some time and some energy and maybe a few dollars. I have done this. And I'm some of the best investments I've ever made were walking away from transactions where I left some money on the table, but I was able to ultimately feel good about the investment I made. So verifying that information that's out there, discovering new opportunities, those are fantastic reasons and absolutely part of the value of due diligence. The biggest value is bringing that level of scrutiny together so that you can feel very confident when you do make the decision to move forward that it is a well-founded data-based decision. I hope this has been helpful. If you have questions about due diligence, whether it's on assets that you own yourself or on investments that you're thinking about making, like an investment in our total return fund, I am more than happy to chat with you about that. Email me at pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Have yourself a fantastic week and please join me next time for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. <music>